I want to talk today about divine success. And the topic of my message is a life worth living. I don't know, I, I assume everyone in this room and maybe even online is, is just want to live a life worth living, right? We want to be successful, not maybe in men's eye, but in God's eye. And before we dive into the topic, I want to ask you a very simple question. Who is responsible for your life? Who is responsible for your life? Is it your pastor? Is it your small group leader? Is it maybe some politic people? Who is responsible for your life? I want to invite you to grab your phone real quick and open the camera app. All right, maybe we can do this real quick. So get, open your phone and open the camera app. And um, I want to show you how you can do a great model photo. Okay, are you ready? Okay, so open your app. You guys go ahead. I do it as well. Now, follow me in the, these three steps, okay? First one, laugh without your eyes. Laugh without your eyes. Okay, you ready? Now raise your eyebrows and now stop smiling. That's your model face. Now take a picture. Now you do not only have a model picture on your smartphone, but now you have a picture of the one person that is responsible for your life. So if you forget who's responsible for my life, oh, I have it on my iPhone. And you can look at yourself and now you know again. Now the question is, what is success in God's eyes? What is a successful life in God's eye? I mean, if we would walk around with a microphone here in this room or maybe use the chat online, I believe we have tons of different answers, right? One person maybe would say, well, it's my bank account, the, much, the, the amount of money that I earn. You know, some, some would say, well, it's, it's the job title that is on my business card. That's success. Maybe someone says, well, it is living at the Lake of Zurich and having a great house and more than one car. That's success. Maybe one of you guys would say, well, it's about having the right friends and knowing the right people. Some people say success is when you are famous. Some people would say success today is having a lot of followers on social media. And others say, well, for me, success means not having to work much, but just having free time and travel the world, right? I want to ask you and maybe show you another definition because I believe success in God's eye is when God follows. Success in God's perspective is when God's blessing and favor follows you all of your life until the very end. I want to look tonight at a person. He's called David. You find him in the Bible. And God calls him a man after his own heart. Wow, that's quite a statement, isn't it? I mean, God tells David and presents him as an example. So we want to look at his life and ask ourselves, what does it mean to live a life worth living? And this is what David says about his own life. Okay, he says this in Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord 
forever. Here it is. The goodness and the love of God follows me and I am staying in the presence of God as God is staying in me for the rest of my life. So I want to look at six steps to divine success tonight. Now, who is David? I don't know how much you know about him, but I can refer to him because of the following reasons. First, what we read in the Bible is David was the youngest in his family. And I was the youngest for many years until when I was eight. My mom got another, she got pregnant again, and so I had another great sister. But for many years, I was the youngest as well. The Bible tells us David was a head smaller than his brothers. So he was skinny and he was small. And as a kid and even as a teenager and young adult, I was so skinny and so small. There is a picture maybe in the back when I started joining ICF in Zurich many, many years ago. This is how I looked. And I believe the last few years before God sent me to Hamburg, he made sure I gained a little bit of weight until so I don't fly away because of the wind. Because wind is really strong in Hamburg. If you haven't been to Hamburg, come to Hamburg, okay? So he was small and skinny. Now, the third reason is dramatic. I believe that David was not respected by his father. And I want to show you why. Well, first, he was given the unloved job of being a shepherd boy. Normally, a farmer would not tell his own son to be the shepherd. You would ask the servants to be shepherds. So this was not a cool job. Okay, people would like look down to you if you would be a shepherd at that time. But this father, for some reason, he did not really respect his own son. So he told him to stay away from home, maybe for a week, maybe for a month, and be with the sheep. And now it comes even worse. When the prophet Samuel came to the father of David and told him, God told me that one of your son will be the new king of Israel. The father did not remember him. The prophet Samuel told the father of David, bring me all of your son because one of your son will be the future king of Israel. And he brought all of his son, but the Spirit of God told the prophet, that's not, none of him is, is the right one. And the prophet had to ask again, second time, are you sure these are all of your son? Until the father said, well, technically speaking, I have one more. He's called David, but he's a shepherd. Not like a king. So they brought him. And he was oiled as future king of Israel. And now we think, wow, that's a great story, isn't it? I mean, he was a shepherd, then the prophet came, and now he was king. That's a great story. That's it. No. David was anointed as a king. But the next thing he had to do was go back to the sheep. Until a little later, the Philistine came to war against Israel. And there there was this great tall fighter called Goliath. 
I guess most of you guys know the story. And every day Goliath showed up in front of the Israel soldiers and he made fun of them and he made fun of God. Like really, really, really bad. And he did it every day. And all these soldiers, these young soldiers of Israel, they got more afraid and more afraid and more afraid every day. And he said, Goliath said, if one of you guys can conquer me, you get all of the war. You win the war. You only have to fight me and you win all of that's what's behind me. And every day Goliath showed up. David was not a soldier. Again, the father did not really respect him because the older brothers, they were soldiers. The father sent them to war, but not David. But the father once they said, well, maybe you can go and find out if your brothers are still alive. So David shows up right at the scene when Goliath came again and made fun of God of Israel. And here it, what we learn, the first lesson of the life of David. Do not believe your eyes. Do not believe what you see. He looked at Goliath. And technically speaking, he saw with his physical eyes exactly the same like everyone else. Right? He saw this big, giant Goliath. But in his spirit, David saw the opposite of everyone else. He saw God's possibilities. He saw God's potential. And he looks at his brothers and he says, why is not anyone stopping this guy? Why is not anyone fighting against him? And the people, the brothers of David, they got mad at him. They, they, they thought, well, he's, he's a prideful man, isn't it? How can you? You're not even a soldier. You're a shepherd. Who are you, David? But he keeps asking, why is not anyone doing something? So they bring him to the king of Israel. His name was Saul. And he says, David tells Saul, don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go fight him. <laughs> and the brothers got so mad that David replied to them, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking questions. I was only asking a question. Now, I believe from the bottom of my heart that in this room and even online, God has given every person in some area of life a godly perspective, a perspective of what is possible with the power of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have some circumstances in your family. Maybe there is a conflict in your family. And everyone says, well, this is how it has been for all these years. You cannot stop this. You cannot change this. But you, in your inner guts, you feel something can be done. Something must be done. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe in, it's in your school. Maybe it's in your church. You look at some area and you feel Something is not like God wants it. And many times it's because God wants to use you to change it. Just like he used David to fight Goliath. So it's so important that we do not believe what we see here with our eyes. But it's so much more important than we 
believe what God shows us on the inside. Second learning from David. God uses you just as you are. God wants to use you and God wants to do miracle just like he made you. He's not using someone else. He's not expecting you to be someone else. But he is able to use you the way he made you. Now, I want to look at a very interesting detail. So David says, I want to fight Goliath. Okay? And the king of King Saul, he feels a little sorry for David. Because, I mean, he is skinny. He doesn't have any armor. He doesn't even have a sword. Anything like it. So he says, well, at least, come on. At least take my armor. I mean, probably that was the strongest, uh, most expensive armor that the soldiers of Israel had. So he brings him his own royal armor and puts it on David. So I want to read this passage. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. And then he says, I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. I love this detail. I mean, come on, David. This is at least some protection, isn't it? And the helmet at least looks a little better than the things that a shepherd has, all right? Maybe you still die, but maybe you don't die after like 30 seconds, but maybe at least like three minutes, okay? Probably that was the intention of King Saul. He did not really believe that David could win. And I love this detail because David sees this armor and he says, that's not me. This is not how God wired me. That doesn't fit me. This is not how God made me. And if God wants to do a miracle, I'm okay just as I am. He doesn't need me to change first. He doesn't need any attitude or any skills from my side. But the way I am, God will use me. And David invites us to live a lifestyle of authenticity. And I think many times when we want to step in, into our calling as followers of Jesus Christ, we feel like something is not ready, right? We are not ready yet. Now, maybe I want to go into full-time ministry, but I don't know the Bible good enough or I should go to Bible college first. Or I want to start a business, but I need to learn how to run a business first for many, many years. I want to have kids and I want to marry, but I don't feel like I'm ready. You know that thought? Now, I want to discourage you tonight. <laughs> I believe like this. If you wait until you are ready for what God has in store for you, then you will Wait until you are in heaven. Again, if you wait until you are ready for what God wants to do with you, you might just wait until this life is done. 
David was not ready. David was not ready. He was not ready, but God was ready. So I want to encourage you, if God wants to use you in small ways or big ways, don't wait to be different. God wants to use you just as he made you. You are his idea. Third learning is trust the one who stands behind you. Trust the one who stands behind you. So David gets ready to fight against Goliath. And now I want to read you the passage that's really important. It goes like this. David replied to the Philistine Goliath, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you. This is important. David says, today, the Lord will conquer you. Not I will conquer you. The Lord will conquer you. So obviously, David knew that even if he is small and skinny, and even if he doesn't have a sword and an armor, and not any skills that are necessary to fight Goliath, he knew that there is someone standing right behind him that is almighty and 1,000 times bigger than any Goliath that you might ever face in your life. And it's so important if we look at our circumstances, we compare our abilities and our resources with the circumstances. And we believe, oh, that's a Goliath. That's, that's a king. That's, that, that's undefeatable, right? And what we forget so many times that we have a friend called Jesus Christ who is just behind us, protecting us. And he's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your debt. He's bigger than your sickness. It's bigger than anything that you might ever face in your life. And I believe if we look at people in the Bible, heroes like David and Joshua and Moses, many times we believe those men and women of God, they did not have any fear. We look at this story and we think, wow, David was such a strong man, right? But who knows if in the inside, David was scared to death. Maybe he walked towards Goliath. And maybe he proclaimed the possibilities of God. But maybe at the same time, he was scared. Many times... When the Spirit of God prompts me to do something, a step of faith, maybe talk to a stranger in the bus, maybe pray for someone, maybe speak a word of prophecy, many times I pray, God, please take away the fear. And you wait until God takes away the fear. You know that? Maybe you feel like you should go and change something. Maybe you feel a calling in your life, but you wait because you think that until the fear is here, you have to wait. I want to discourage you again. If you wait until the fear is away, you might wait for the rest of your life. 
I believe all of these men and women in the Bible, all of those heroes, or if you even talk to someone you might admire because he's or she is a woman of, man of God, many times those people, they just don't let the fear have the last word. It's just about not having fear having the last word. Many times it's like this statistic. Maybe times it's 51% that conquers 49% of fear. 51% of faith answer 49% of fear. The fourth learning of David is youth, use what you have. Use what you have. David picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into the shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, He started across the valley to fight the Philistine. I love the story of David. Because the Bible tells us David, he had two great hobbies. One hobby was he was a musician. And you can read in the Bible a lot of his songs. As a shepherd, nobody was listening to his songs. No one was publishing his songs. There was no record label at that time. He could not even put them on Spotify or YouTube or anything like that. But he trained his gift as a musician over and over again. His only audience were bah, sheep. They did like, bah, like bah was good. And like, bah was, wow, that was really good song. And that was his audience for years. But obviously he took this one gift that God gave him to be a musician so serious that later his songs made it all the way into the Bible. We still sing them. And the second gift that God gave David was using a slingshot. That's very impressive, isn't it? Yeah, what can you do? Oh, I'm good with slingshot. That doesn't sound like a spiritual gift, isn't it? Others are good in prayer. And, oh, he's a preacher. Oh, he's an evangelist. Oh, he's a prophet. Yeah, I can do slingshot. Wow, that's a spiritual gift, big time. Very impressive. But I love this because you know your natural gift in the mighty hand of God can conquer Goliath. And he took this stupid gift of throwing a slingshot so serious. Obviously, he trained it all these years as a shepherd. Nobody was looking. Maybe he was just, you know, lazy and just doing it all over and over again. But he knew, I'm good at one thing. I can throw a stone right at his head. So I don't care about how long his sword is. And I don't care about how big his armor is. I know what I can do. And so important, if we step out of faith. You know, on the one hand, it's the power of God that does the miracle. But at the same time, if we look at the Bible, we see it over and over again. That God uses the gift that he has given you. And maybe you think of your gift as not being spiritual enough. Maybe you love to be, to be hospitality. Maybe you love hospitality. Maybe you are good in organizing things. Maybe you love to ask good questions. I want to tell you, if you put your gift in the almighty hand of God, 
God can use you just the way he made you. So don't underestimate your gifts. I don't care how small they look. If you take them serious, if you train them, and if you trust them in God's mighty hand, he can do miracle, just like he used David. I love this little detail. The fourth learning that we have is put your integrity above your success. Put your integrity above your success. Now, maybe you know the story of David. He was anointed as king as a teenager, but it took around 30 years until he became king. And in the meantime, the current king, Saul, again and again, was so mean to David. He tried to kill him many times. He chased him. David had to escape over and over again. David almost died many times. Many times the King Saul said, oh, David, I'm so sorry. I promise I will not do that anymore. From now on, we'll be friends. And one day later, Saul did it again. And David could have been so mad at Saul. And more than one time, David had the chance to kill Saul. One time he was standing right behind him with a sword in his hand. And even the very best friends of David said, why don't you just kill him? Come on, you have the anointing. You are the future king. You just have to do this one small compromise. Just boop, done. Nobody would know. We don't tell anyone. Don't worry. Just a small compromise to kind of speeding things up a little, right? Just a small compromise. And you're the boss. You're the king. But David had so much respect. And he took God so seriously that he said, who am I that I might king, I might kill the king of Israel? He didn't do it. He decided to wait unto God, to wait until God does what only he can do. And I believe if we want to be successful in God's eyes, we are called to value our integrity higher than our success. And the last point is bless and forgive. King Saul dies in war and most of his family, most of his son, all dead. David is finally king. And right after he became king, he said, is there anyone from the family of Saul still alive? And everyone knew why David is asking this question. Because normally if there would be a new king out of a different royal family, The new king would kill all of the people of the old family to make sure that no one could ever show up and says, well, actually, it's still my blood. I have the royal blood. So everyone knew David is asking this question just to make sure that no one is alive. So they do the research. They find one guy. His name is Mephibosheth. He's lame on both feet. And they bring him to David. 
And I believe Mephibosheth was standing and kneeing in front of David. And he knew now, now all the anger, all the hate of David will come unto me. Now I will be killed in the next few minutes. And here is what David says. If, is there no one, oh, sorry, one verse later. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you goodness for the sake of your father's Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Wow. <laughs> That is integrity, isn't it? David still honors the old king. He honors the family. He doesn't punish. And I believe in this story, in this little detail, we see the goodness of God. Because I have failed so many times. I have not hold my promises to God for so many times. But God still loves me. So he gave his only son died for my sin so I can eat at his table and give me back my dignity give me back my value God is not mad at us so if you <laughs> are rocking with Jesus if you step into your godly calling People will hurt you. Sometimes you hurt yourself. People will disappoint you. Sometimes I'm the one who's disappointed by myself. And as I came here to Switzerland on Friday, I was in the train from Hamburg to Basel. And I was looking out of the window. The train went really, really fast, like 250 kilometers. And I looked out of the window and I felt like God was speaking to me. Andy, if you want to keep moving with me, don't look back. Don't hold on. Don't judge people from your past. But let go and forgive and bless. So if you want to keep moving with God, open your hands. Let go, people. Forgive. Forgive God. If you feel like he has done something wrong, <laughs> but most important, forgive yourself and forgive the people who hurt you. Let go and forgive. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a life worth living, isn't it? So maybe we can reflect on those six steps. I want to show it on the screen. And maybe you can ask God, what is this one step that is most important for you right now? So take a minute. The band is playing a little bit. And just look at the screen and say, God, what is this one point that you are prompting me to look at? And I want to pray with you.
Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, our passion for people is that we see them grow in their relationship with Jesus, live fearlessly and influence their people and the surrounding in a positive way. And if you would like to be part of that vision, we thank you so much for your financial support because that would make it possible. I hope that this message spoke to you really. And if you don't have subscribed to our channel, please do this. And it's always a big blessing. Maybe you know some people in your neighborhood or in your friendship that podcast could be a very well cool thing just share the link because it's pretty pretty easy and I'm looking forward to see you again tune in and God bless you and see you soon bye bye